0: Thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of the Greg Rich Ministries podcast. And we are so honored and excited today to have Lana Vasquez here with us, the founder of Life Impact International. And Lana, thank you so much for taking the time. I know things are hectic and busy, but we really appreciate you joining us today.
1: Thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. It's an honor to be here.
0: Yeah, we were just talking that, you know, a couple weeks ago or a month or two ago, we had Larissa Brown who works with you on. And so it's awesome just to be able to now talk to the founder of the organization. And Lana, so give us a little bit of background. What inspired you in the first place to even start Life Impact International?
1: Yeah, so that's kind of tied up into um, a personal story. I got uh, radically saved at 19 years old. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I didn't know Jesus. I knew about Jesus, but like a famous president on the wall. And um, he radically saved my life, changed me, delivered me from drugs and alcohol, got healed, got set free, and just got the whole package at 19 years old. That's a short summary of it it all. (laughs) But uh, in all of it, but in during that time of, I mean, d- during the whole time of the altar call, and basically I just went up to the altar and and I heard the gospel for the first time in my life. I was 19 raised, born and raised in Southern California. I had never, ever heard the gospel in its entirety. I thought I had all the Jesus there was. And when I heard the gospel clearly in its entirety for the first time, I knew that's what I had been searching for my whole life. And And the preacher said, uh, you're trying to fill that hole in your heart with everything else. But Jesus, don't you know that only Jesus can fill that hole in your heart? What you've been searching for your whole life. He's right here tonight. His name is Jesus. He's standing at the door of your heart. If you open it up and let, it in, let him in, you'll never thirst again. And I just knew that, that that's what I was looking for in drugs and in, in alcohol, in the party scene and everything. Yeah. I knew that's what I was looking for. And at that moment, when the preacher was preaching, it was crazy. I, again, I wasn't raised in church. That was the first time I ever step, stepped foot in a Christian church at wow. 19 years old. I never had a Christian friends. Nobody ever came to me and said hey you don't have to live this life you're living uh mm. let me invite you to church let me introduce you to Jesus nobody ever told me about Jesus nobody ever invited me to church so the first time I went to the church was the first time I heard the gospel and at that moment um when when the preacher preaching I had like an open vision and it was like an old Hollywood film reel mm. and every scene I saw me trying to fill that hole in my heart you know I, I was raised um just in a tumultuous home and my dad was an alcoholic and my parents got divorced at, I was about 13 years old. So it just got really rough, really fast. And um, so every scene, like I, uh, the college girl and that didn't satisfy me. The um, I was go-go dancer in the clubs of Hollywood, and that didn't satisfy me. And just all the different scenes of how I was trying to fill that hole in my heart and every scene where I was looking for love in the wrong places and yeah. looking for the and the last one was blank on this old Hollywood uh, film reel. The last one was blank, and I heard a voice say, "The decision you make right now will change your life forever." And it, basically, it was my decision what this next next what this next reel of my life would be um, after the gospel was and the choice was presented to me. And my cousin said that she went to grab my hand to invite me to go up to the altar, but that I had already ran straight up to the <laughs> altar. <sighs> and that and all i remember i was 19 years old i mean it's it's like 24 years ago but i remember it like yesterday and I just, I was crying and I, I was smiling for some reason. And, and I just said like, and I, I remember being scared though, that, that there was, I felt like there was a bright light on the other side and my eyes were shut closed. And I just thought if I opened my eyes, I was going to see Jesus or God standing there. And I was, I was scared. And, uh, but in a good way, I yeah. can't explain it. I'm just crying and a little scared to open my eyes. And, um, and at that moment I prayed this prayer and nobody told me to pray this prayer it just came from my heart. And I just said, God i've made a mil- i've made a mess of this life you gave me i i'm in a million pieces my heart my body from parting Um, I had developed epilepsy uh, from, so as a go-go dancer in the clubs of Hollywood, but also we'd um, go and dance in Mexico and different places. So it was a very dangerous nightlife scene. You'd have to dance all night. And so from the parting, I actually developed epilepsy and would have seizures. And so I almost died about six times. Uh, Two times I woke up in a hospital. My license was revoked for a year because I wasn't taking Dilantin, the medication, because it made me tired and I couldn't party. And so my body was just, set it was just so broken and i said this i said my mind's in a million pieces my heart's in a million pieces my body's in a million pieces but if you can do anything with these pieces i give them to you Mm -hmm. and it was and i literally saw myself giving the pieces of my life and my body and my heart and my mind to him and i said and if you could do anything with these pieces they're yours you can have them and at that moment, it was like warm honey from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And wherever that honey touched, it cleansed and it healed and it made whole. And I felt like I had never sinned before. I felt like I, 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 like nothing had ever happened to me before. I, I felt new. And I just... Yeah. It was like I saw in black and white and then all of a sudden I could see in color and the sky was blue and the grass was green. And that's, that's the best way I can describe it. And I couldn't stop smiling and I couldn't stop crying. And I just knew something had happened. And I looked at my aunt. She was the first Christian in my family. And I said, what happened to me? What happened to me? And she said, um, my aunt said, it's Jesus. You'll never be the same again isn't he wonderful you'll never be the same again and at that moment i made two personal vendettas to god one i would protect and fight for innocent children mm. because I, I feel like as a child the things that happened to me being raised in a dysfunctional home um physical abuse sexual abuse different things that had happened to me it had opened up a door for destruction in my life mm. and just opened up a door in my life and so I said, one, I will fight for and protect innocent children so that they don't have to go through the same kind of thing. And two, that I would tell as many people about Jesus before the age 19 because nobody ever told me about Jesus. Nobody Mm -hmm. ever gave me a choice. No friends ever told me about Jesus and that I had a choice. And so I made those two personal vendettas to God. And I would say life impact was birthed. then it was birthed at the altar at 19 years old. When I got saved, it wasn't, you know, this thing that I read in a paper or this minute, I just thought a great idea. I want to do this. It was more birthed in my heart and came from a personal thing. One to reach and rescue children, to protect and fight for those who can't fight for themselves, to protect innocent, vulnerable children, to give them their childhood back and to protect them so that they have a chance at life and they don't have to go through those things and two, to tell as many people about Jesus before age 19 so that they can walk on their destiny and they can live out their destiny. And so that's how life impact was birthed, I would say more with a personal story for there. And God did a quick work. I mean, again, it's it's a 30 minute, you know, podcast and uh, God, God did a quick supernatural work. I was instantly delivered from drugs instantly. I was instantly delivered from alcohol. I was um, healed from epilepsy. I have doctors uh, notes to prove that I had epilepsy. Like they hooked up the things to me and said I was diagnosed with epilepsy and I haven't had a seizure since I was 19 years old. Wow. Since the day I got saved, I haven't had a seizure. And uh, and so, and if you're in ministry, you know, you have a lot of sleepless nights. Yes. So it wasn't, you know, things like that. And um, so I haven't had a seizure. Instantly healed, instantly delivered. I called my friends and I said, I met the man of my dreams. I'm never coming back. I met his name is Jesus. I'm never coming back. And my friend said, you were the worst of us. If he could save oh. you, he could save us. And uh, and he said, and, and they said, um, if I, we believe now in this Jesus, because we see in your life. And one by one, my friends started coming, all my dancer friends started coming to church with me, started getting saved. Uh, my family, they didn't know Jesus. And my mom, she said, I saw, I resuscitated you when you were blue. And when You'd have seizures in the shower. I was there at the hospital when we'd get the call for you, and I saw. And I, I can't deny that this is true. My mom got saved. About eighty percent of my family is believers now. Got saved because they saw what had happened. You know, and God just did a really quick work. Obviously, I was in an extreme lifestyle, so I had to get translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light the end I if I was it because it was so extreme and I remember just uh turning over in the bible and the first scripture I ever read in my life at 19 years old I'd never read the bible first scripture I ever read is he who is in Christ is a new creation behold all things passed away behold all things become new old things pass away behold all things become new and I said that's it that's what happened to me that's what happened to me and uh and so I knew I knew he had I knew what he had done and I knew what he had done for me I knew I wasn't the same and I knew I'd never be the same again. So I I didn't know going to that church that my life would be forever changed. I actually was on the way to a Hollywood club premiere and my aunt invited me to church and I was going to go to the Hollywood club premiere after I didn't know that my life would be altered forever and God would put me on the path that I was supposed to be on. And so he did a quick work and that's, I I would say that life impact was birds at that altar at 19 years old. From a personal encounter with
0: Jesus, and that's so amazing because it, it just shows it's an awesome testimony. One because it showed that it took one spark to ignite this flame, not only in your life but in your family. And I'm sure you know with Life Impact, the way the the same testimony that you experience is what you're expecting in the lives of all the children as well that their lives themselves will not only be impacted, but they're going to be able to reach their families and their nations. And it takes reaching the one to reach the many. And so that's what I love what you guys are doing. And if you can just share with us, for those of the the people that didn't have an opportunity to listen to Larissa's podcast, I encourage you to go back. But Lana, if you can share a little bit about, you know, what you guys are doing in different parts of the world, that would be awesome.
1: Yeah. So, so segue from that altar call to here, um, at that moment, I knew that I was rescued to rescue. Yeah. And that was kind of some the summary of it. I knew I was rescued. When I said that, God, you could have saved anybody. You could have done this. Why did you do this for me out of all my friends, out of all these people? And so I knew at that altar, I was rescued to rescue. Yeah. So fast forward um through a series of events i knew kind of what you said that one uh, spark that's what we that's the motto of our ministry change a life change the world That wow. it's one life and it's a ripple it's crazy you didn't yeah. know that but <laughs> it's a ripple effect that we believe that one once that rock hits that water it's that ripple and that life changes 10 and that that one then multiplies to another 10 and it results in a world change and this is Part of the vision that, um, so during the time when the Lord did a quick work with us, we, uh, with me, I went to uh, Bible school at Rhema, and while I was there, just kind of praying and saying, God, why did you rescue me? Okay, I understand I'm rescued to rescue, but what does that look like? Like, what's the details? Like, how do you color in those blanks? How do you, what's the, how do you give, um uh, layers to that skeleton. Yeah. You know, like what does that mean? I, I know this, but what does that mean? Exactly. So one of the scriptures that he gave me while I was praying this out was psalms one twenty seven three through five, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so our children of the youth, they won't be ashamed, but they will subdue and conquer the enemy at the gate. And I knew what he was saying. He's saying that he wanted me to do children's homes um internationally. And I said, and and so I knew, it, I knew that even though I'd never seen a children's home, never been to children's home, never even been on a mission trip, at this point I was only saved for a year and a half. Yeah. And so I said, and so I knew what he was asking, putting in my heart at that point. And I said, but God, I'm an evangelist. I'm not a babysitter. I don't want to babysit ten children and Jesus come back and we go to heaven singing Kumbaya, my Lord, like Mary Poppins. I I want to reach hundreds, thousands, millions for you with the gospel. Like I don't just want to babysit kids and the Lord spoke to me and he said you will reach more through these children than you will ever reach alone in the Buddhist Muslim Hindu nations of the world there are generations that don't know me you will raise up a generation to know me and that generation will make me known to their own nation and and so he spoke that to me and the crazy thing is in that passage you know they will speak with their enemy it, it, it means they will destroy the works of the enemy at the gate crazy thing is we live it's um when you're coming up our road it says welcome to the gateway of southeast asia (laughs) so we live in the gateway i live on the thai burma border and it is the gateway to southeast asia and so in all of that, I knew we were supposed to, I was supposed to do a children's home. I knew I was supposed to work with exploited children. I knew all of that. Um, I, around that same time, I was praying about it all and saying, okay, again, I don't know any missionaries. I don't know anything. How do we do this? And uh, I heard a, a missionary from Brazil, from Sao Paulo, Brazil, come and talk. And he talked about the 300,000 street kids in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and that, um, that there's more food, there's more kids on the streets and there's food in the dumps. And so you'll see five-year-olds walking around sniffing glue uh, to kill the hunger pains, not just because they're hooked on drugs, wow. but to kill the hunger wow. pains in their in their bellies because food is cheaper than, um, drugs are cheaper than food in Brazil. And uh, and because of the poverty and inflation and all of that, and that they're a problem that won't go away and that the store owners pay off the police to line them up and massacre them. And you can smell the bodies of rotting children in the sewages of Sao Paulo, Brazil. And I heard that and I just started crying and weeping and um, the pastor it was I was at my home church it was in, in between my first and second year uh, of Bible school and just praying about what is rescue to rescue look like and um, and they're talking about street children and their work with street children and the pastor's wife came over to me and said Lana what do you want to do for the Lord and out of my belly said, I wanna work with exploited children internationally. And my aunt said, you do? And I said, I guess that's what I said. Like, and so all, I say it like this, all the pieces of the puzzle just started kind of coming together. So I thought I was going to um, go to Brazil. I thought I'd work in Brazil. And this was 22 years ago. Thought I'd go to Brazil. I thought, okay, I, I hooked up with those missionaries. I thought that's my key, that's my end to work with exploited children. That's where I'm gonna go. Uh, graduated Bible school on my way to Brazil, and the Lord spoke to me on graduation day and said, "Stay behind in Tulsa one more year." And I cried and I wept and I was like, "No, God, no!" Last time I looked in the Bible, you said there was a shortage of labors. You said to pray, you know, for labors in the harvest. And I said, "And here I am. saying here I..." send me and you're not sending me and my friend doesn't even want to go to Ukraine and you're sending her like let me go let me go you know and I just I was just crying because I wanted to go so bad But God was basically I say it like this it's like a slingshot it looked like it, a step back but it was a it was a setup so when I did go I would be launched farther and harder and more straight uh, and in, in the path of that and actually those missionaries in Brazil aren't even there anymore which is now looking back in hindsight and everything, my steps are so ordered. So stay behind in Tulsa one more year within the month. I had a call from these missionaries. Uh, they did like apostolic and it it works all around, but anyways, they were, they were evangelists. And so I said, Oh, uh, let me, can you, can you come and volunteer? My friend worked for them. And I said, Oh, okay. If I can't, I was taught really well at Rama. If you can't go, then you sew, right? Like you sew up, you sew down, you sew all around. So you sew into a place where you want to be. So I was taught to so, so I volunteered to scrub their toilets and pray for them while they were in the nations. and at one point I was like God here I am stuck in Tulsa you know what I said I'd never do and like just praying and saying that, you know they're going and I don't even understand and how they don't have children how are we good how are they going to do children's homes you know just all these things and crying but praying for them at the same time while I scrub their toilets uh then long story short they came to us and said we've planted Bible schools in all these nations, and we've seen the exploitation of children. Hey. Lana, we heard about how you have in your heart children's homes. Will you be a part of our pioneer team? The first home will be uh, Thailand. The second one will be Mexico. The third one, Africa. I still don't remember the fourth one to this day. Fifth one was Brazil. And I said, yes, I don't even have to pray back because I've been praying this whole time, yeah. right? And they said, I will commit two months to you to all of these homes, but when I get to Brazil, I'm gonna live there. So I planned it all out. I worked three jobs. I paid off all my bills to be gone for two years. I had it all planned out. So anyways, in all of that, I went to help them to plant their home in Thailand. Came, Got over uh, here to Thailand and we started, our, this was our whole mission and it still is our mission to today, prevent, rescue, heal. And basically we would go into the areas and the pools where the traffickers get the children uh, in Thailand's number one in the world for child exploitation for children involved in prostitution under the age 18 in forced prostitution. Brazil is number two in the world. And so uh, basically we knew that that's what we were going to do, prevent child trafficking, child slavery, child sex slavery. So prevent, rescue, rescue them and heal aftercare homes for them. We had a a, a saying that we planned, he's heard their cries, we planned their escape, he's answered their prayers. So that was our mm-hmm. whole plan. That was our, what we were going to do, came, started our first prevention home with at, 52 at-risk children, fell in love with the children. And one little girl, 14 years old, came up to me and said, I don't have a mom and you don't have a daughter. From this day forth, you're my mom and I'm your daughter. And it just won my heart. And I thought, God, I can't leave these kids again. Like yeah. they can't have somebody else to leave. Six Two months turned into six months. Six months turned into a year. They called me and said, would I be the children's home director? A year turned into a year and a half. They called me again and said, uh, we feel like we need to hand the homes over. Will you take over the homes? So at 24 years old, I became a mama to 52 children. And at 25 and a half, um, I became owner of an international organization, <laughs> which I never signed up to do either no. of them. And um, and so now 20 years later, I'm still here <laughs> in on the Thai, <laughs> uh, but now we're on the Thai Burma border. But we started with that now, 20 years later, um, we, God called us to the border because 60 women and children are trafficked daily on our border. We now have 150 children in, uh, Thailand and Burma. Wow. Uh, we have three homes in Burma, in Myanmar, and then we have two pieces of property. It, we call it the promised land, that's a whole God story, the promised land on the Thai side. We have a girl's and baby's promised land and a boy's promised land on uh, at both properties one is 25 acres one is 17 acres and uh, we work with the government we became the first government recognized safe home in a 98 percent buddhist nation wow. they know christian they know that we preach jesus and um, and we there because we are we, because i turned down the ultimate because i turned down the funding i have freedom of religion to teach them jesus and so um, but we became there was no safe home here. We had the governor have a secret meeting with us, and they said, "We know that sixty children, women, and children are trafficked daily. Nobody will do anything. Everybody's scared. Will you do something?" And they, and so basically, we partner with them. I have, um, we're on the, it's called, it's like a child protection board. So there's five seats. That's the head of social welfare, the chief of police, the border control, the head of uh, the hospital. And then we have a child protection officer and the social worker. So actually, we have two seats on this child protection wow. committee seat to be able to call, you know, to make calls for the children, the best interest for the children. Um, each rescue in on our border basically comes through life impact stores. We have an uh, emergency safe home that's separate from the promised lands, where as soon as a child, as soon as we rescue a child, they go into hiding and then we provide them with the Medical care, the legal, whatever we have to do legally, um, everything that has to happen there. So we have a safe. So we have a safe, safe, like underground safe home yeah. aside from the heel. So we, um, so we say it in these. This is what we do. We prevent, rescue, heal still to this day. So our prevention, I have a full on prevention team that all they do is go into at-risk and exploited communities. Like we have a garbage dump area where children are trafficked, the poorest of the poor. Um, babies are sold for 500 to 800 bot, which is like 18 to $20 here on the border. So we find the next child that's gonna be trafficked, that's gonna be sold. That's all our prevention te- team does is just look for exploited at-risk children and bring the gospel and change the community. So So they stopped selling their children. We have a full-on rescue team that works with the government daily. They, they're on speed dial with the governor, with the head of social welfare, with the police, with the border, border control for trafficked children. And then we have our HEAL, which is our aftercare. That's what Lyra says over. She's our children's home director, and she's over all the HEAL and all the um, house parents and everything that has all things children, basically, where um, we put the children in a loving family where they see a father that doesn't sexually abuse them, a mother that doesn't doesn't sell them, and doesn't uh, trade them, and where they kind of see a healthy family environment because they've never every single one of our children yeah. have never seen anything like that. They we don't have poor children. If if they're poor. And at risk, then we put them in a boarding school or keep give them so they can have some kind of relationship with their family. If they're in our home, that means they've been abandoned, they're orphaned, or they are um, exploited where they have to be in our home. So we try to give them a loving family where we see all of their trauma healed and where then to they are rescued to rescue. That's Wow. We believe that's
0: what we do here. That's so awesome. You know, you, what amazed me too, is you guys have tremendous favor in a country that people wouldn't guess that you would have favor in. And, uh, it didn't just happen right off the bat. It was you saying yes and saying yes to God. And as you took those steps, doors continue to open, but you know, whenever, uh, I'm sure if God showed you everything that was going to happen, you maybe wouldn't have said yes. So you had to say yes to one step, (laughs) yes to the next. And it just continued to open doors. But I do have to say, I'm not sure who runs your social media. I don't know if it's you for Life Impact, but whoever it is is doing awesome. And I encourage anybody that's listening go follow life impact international on facebook i believe you're on instagram as well because they update like almost daily things that are going on and you've got to go look at it i I know you we briefly touched on the promised land but you can you know i learned more about it from there and whoever it is is you please tell them her
1: name is shawnee and she's killing it and uh, jamie they're our media team but uh, jamie cdack she's a ray grad as well but shawnee she's killing she's amazing actually and she was she was a eighteen year old intern here and that she went back and was doing social media. And so she she actually just has a heart, you know. And so yeah. she's a part of it here, even from over there. So she's doing she's incredible. She's didn't, she is just rocking it. We're so yeah. right her. it's Shawnee Gibbs. I'm gonna give her a shout out. Yeah, there you and, go. Uh, I don't do the social media. I have <laughs> some great girls that just they kill it. They do an amazing yeah. job and they love what they do, you know, yeah. they do it. For children and they do it for the gospel, you
0: know? Yeah. And so. it's awesome because you're getting your voice out there to people like, and I've been following things that have been happening right now. And a lot of it, we don't hear about on the news. We don't really know about, we're not educated so much. And so you guys being able to share those updates all the time, I feel like educates everyone else around the world who's not, you know, in tune to those things. But if you're able to share with us a little bit about what's going on in the, in the country and some of the challenges that you guys might be facing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, actually, we're going through a really uh, tough time right now. I don't know if people have seen. So we are on the Thai Burma border. So everything that happens in Burma or Myanmar, um, if if people don't know, but it was uh, it was ran by it's still it's ran by military junta for over. I mean, they've been in civil war the ethnic groups for 72 years now. And so 20 years ago, I actually worked in the war zones a lot and would bring the gospel in there and bring humanitarian aid, humanitarian aid and relief. And recently um, in February, we had another military coup which we have three children's homes right in the center of everything. And so they said they can hear the gunshots at night. At one point, the military came and kicked down the gate and were coming in uh, into our home. And wow. they the the house parents just called and said, pray for us, please, they're coming. And they don't know basically who's protesting, who's not. So they're just grabbing youth right now and kidnapping him and torturing them. So, and we have a lot of youth there. Um, we rescued them when they were Cyclone orphans. So they have no paperwork. So they can't prove who they are, that, that yeah. they're not a part of anything. So the, our kids are especially at risk. They can't even go outside. Out, they can't step foot outside right now. And so when they started coming in, we literally just dropped to the knee, our knees and just started praying. Yeah. And um, and all of a sudden at, they kicked in, they started to walk in and then they turned around, they got distracted and ran out. This is like 15 military or means wow. The military. So right now it's just a really volatile time in that area, you know, um, they have, um, the people are outnumbered, they're out weaponized, they're outgunned. This is, it's just dominance and control. The Burmese military want complete control yeah. and dominance and people are dying daily, innocent people daily and ethnic groups that are in the jungles that just want their land and just want to protect their people and just want to keep their children and their wives safe. And so now it's just a um, full-on genocide. We're just going through genocide. So you can imagine having three homes in the middle of the civil war with a country with trying to get our kids safe and genocide going on. So it's been going on for a long time, but people don't hear about it in the news. And that's because there's big players that are backing them up. One. Uh, China and then two is Russia is backing up um, Burma, which is this, this little Myanmar, this little country on the map. So right now you can imagine just just what's happening. But the, the crazy thing is we had um, Francis Chan. He was here yeah. be, like right before all of this happened. And he said that they were all in a room and these, all these leaders, all these Christian leaders, they said, let's pray and see what country God lays in our heart, on our heart. And all of them was Burma. And that's why he moved to Hong Kong to go into Burma. So all these Christian leaders, so YWAM and all these people started doing mass evangelism inside Burma before this coup so it's crazy because it was like God knew what was happening yeah. so he yeah. was just strengthening his people and getting as many people so we're seeing as, as hard as it is to see the news and here we, we have first hand connections um, and first hand people that are telling us things that are happening that I can't even show half the stuff or yeah. say half. This. People couldn't even take it, yeah. and so, uh, but so we'll just pray because they they say we have nobody else. Nobody is coming to rescue us. All we have is God, so we just pray. And literally, the next day in the news, we'll read it was raining, and so the army jets, the uh, the bomber jets couldn't fly, and different things, just miraculous things. And right now, the people are like the children of Israel, where they're just God has to feed them in the jungle, and yeah. God just has to protect them. Honestly. And feed them, and protect them, and lead them into safety. And that's it. You're talking about now. We have 40,000 people living in the jungle, and we have monsoon coming. And so you have every you have snakes, you have uh, malaria, uh, you you have all of it, and you have children with dysentery and throwing up living in these torrential rains so it's just a, a crazy crazy time for us yeah. uh, right now and they said you know like we are not even afraid of covid they said we're afraid of the junta more than we are of any of this like covid's not going to kill us the military is yeah so if you can be praying right now it is a yeah. crazy volatile time and since we live on the border there literally there were bombs that went off that that we heard and in the town where one of our children's homes is we've gotten them to safety since so they're in a safe place but literally right there where they were that's where the bombs were going off and they just said they would have nightmares at night because they can hear the screams and they could hear the guns and they could hear that they couldn't sleep at night so we really had to move them get them to safety thank god they're safe now but we just have to pray for the people that have nowhere to go or that can't get to safety so that's what's living on a border we already are dubbed um, the most dangerous place in thailand because uh we are our border has a lot of uh drug trafficking human trafficking and so we have it's it is already the most dangerous place but now you put in effect all of this going on, on the other side of the border, it's just a really tense time for us right now. And, um, and just a really, uh, yeah, just a tense time. So if you guys can just be praying yeah. and just be praying, um, that God makes a way where there is no way and that help arises from heaven. We need help from heaven yeah. and just be praying that we would be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, that we would have wisdom during this time. We just sent in 600 bags of rice and, um, we were sending in medical supplies and just as much humanitarian aid with all of our friends as far as, can. And with, um, just all the people that we know, we're, we're getting everything deep, deep inside the jungles right now. And, uh, and just helping as many people as we can. So if you could, that's just been my prayers that it reaches the people, let help reach the people that somehow or another, that the help reaches the people. So if you can pray, we need a miracle. So that's, what's going on in Thailand. And then, um, I'm sorry, Thailand, Burma border, and actually Politically, Thailand is not far from the same boat you know, we're, we're, it's a, it's a high tense time politically for us in Thailand too. So a lot of missionaries are going back. So it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty crazy time to be a missionary in this region, in Southeast Asia, actually. And you've seen a a lot, there's been a great exodus of missionaries, And I think for COVID, you know, a great exodus of missionaries in this side of the world. I don't know other sides, but in this side of the world. And so we're just needing the nationals to rise up and be strong in this time and lead their people. People in this time. And that's actually what the Lord gave me. Um, when everything started happening, I was actually sp- supposed to be in Brazil because yeah. we have launched life impact Brazil, like, you know, and we are full throttle there. I mean, full on in three different places. We have full operating projects with staff and, um, hundreds of children. We have about, uh, at least 300 children in our projects right now, at least like that's just weekly, how much we, we reach already, uh, in our projects. And so as soon as our, our building opens, we'll, we'll service 600, just like that the next week. Wow. And so just in, on the streets and what we do with what, what on the streets, we already have 300. So it's just a full on, um, deal in Brazil. So I was supposed to go there and help like just really, um, officiated and do everything and, and, um, and, uh, open our, our building, open our prevention project, do all of that. And COVID shut every, Oh, well actually right before COVID shut everything down, the, um, the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, you will only spend, I was supposed to spend four months in Brazil. He said, you will only spend two weeks. You will bring your team back with you for 10 days. You will train your team and then you'll send them back on a plane and you will not get on that plane with them. You will stay in Thailand and I told my team and they said, what? We can't do this without you. You need to come to Brazil. We're not, what are you talking about? You're supposed to be here for four months. What are you talking about? And I said, this is what the Lord said. I think I distracted him a little bit with saying, I'm going to bring you to Thailand and you get to spend 10 days in Thailand yeah. which is at the promised land. They're like, and I think that distracted him. So when go. I put him on the plane, Larissa Rocha, she was yeah. like, wait wait i didn't sign up for this you're not getting on the plane wait no you don't wait <laughs> what have you tricked me and so i put him on the plane i wept i didn't understand covid hit and then this hit in burma and i said this is why you didn't let me go this is why i was supposed to be here and i really feel like it's a cross between deborah and esther and the lord had me read deborah again in the Bible. And when she w- she partnered with Barak and was just a spiritual voice and a spiritual leader during that time with the armies of God and just uh, wisdom and encouragement during that time and in that in part of her song she said you know village life ceased the the people were oppressed for over twenty years with nine hundred chariots of iron and nothing changed until I Deborah arose a mother to Israel and she said and then and then that's when things started. Happening. And the Lord just showed me, and He said, um, I'm, I've called you to lead at a time of war and at a time mm. of chaos. I've called you to be a mother to the nations. I've called you to be a mother to Thailand, a mother to Burma, a mother to Brazil, a mother to the nations, and to lead at a time of war. And I just know that I am here for such a time as this. And yeah. I've been here for 20 years now, but I feel like it's been all preparation for this time, for such a time as this. And as we've been here and as we've been just leading at a time of war and being a mother to these nations and what they're going through with th- in Thailand and in Burma um, in Brazil the the work has just gone full throttle and you know with covid it's they' you know the worst in the world at this yeah. point all their hospital beds are full and they've, they said they've already decided who will die and it's just another you know epidemic and everything going on and yet, none of our team have, have gotten COVID. None of our, I mean, they are flourishing. They are going forward. The gospel is going forward. We're helping children. We're preventing rescuing and healing. Like it's just going forward. Jamie, uh, our missionary that's in Brazil right now, our U S stateside staff, she just preached the gospel to the drug Lords in city of God. One of the um, most dangerous favelas in Brazil. She's just messaging me. So one of the guys put down his gun, came around the table and just hugged her. and, uh, and so she and preached the gospel to the main drug kingpin over there. So it's still going forth even during this time. The gospel is still going forth even in too much less times, even at a time of war, even at a time of chaos in the nations.
0: Wow. It's so inspiring that you guys are not shying away, but you're going forward. And it's like you said, there's there's times that maybe God directed people to leave, but you've been instructed to stay. And not only stay, but to go forward. And that's just so inspiring. And I thought it was funny you mentioned uh, Larissa Rocha, which you said it way better than me. Forgive me, Larissa, for my American
1: <laughs> It's a little bit of the Latin yeah, blood. <laughs> yeah,
0: but I told her. I said uh, she's a friend of ours, and I said we want to have you on the podcast talk about Brazil. And then I, we let her know you were coming on, and she's like, "Okay, I don't have to come anymore." I, I was like, "Larissa, you're not getting out of it. You've got so to come." <laughs> she has to come.
1: That girl has the yeah. justice gene. She has a God story. She has the justice she gene. She needs to come. She's a she's 24 years old and spearheading Life Impact Brazil, and uh, it, it and it's just launch Life Impact Pack yeah. Brazil at 24 years old. She has to be on. That. Yeah. Did you hear I'm- that
0: Larissa? You have to be on. <laughs> you don't have a choice now. <laughs> <laughs> So, Lana, it's so inspiring. But for those of us that are listening that don't want to just sit back and say, that's a great story, but we actually want to plug in. We want to invest in what God is doing. I know that you, you know, I encourage everybody go back and listen to what Lana said about what they need prayer for and agree with everything she's saying. That's the first step, I would say. But if people want to go beyond that, and I know prayer is so powerful, but for those of us that would like to sow what's the best way that we can do that? And are there any specific projects you really need funding for or or help with?
1: Yeah, so um, our website, uh, www.lifeimpactintl, short for international.org. And um, on our website, we have every way to give that you can give, PayPal, online, all of it good old fashioned checks, take no, um, take no fees out. And honestly those fees, like you would be surprised what you can do with $20 here, you know, like. Clothes, give a kid a school uniform for $20 and yeah. just different things. So, um, so I, so good old fashioned checks. We, you can give online, any of that to support uh, and just continue, follow us, share, tell yeah. people, you know, I always say this, what is in your hands, like yeah. use what is in your hands. How did Moses free the slaves with what was in his hands and and that's why I said it's so big you know that's what he says it's so big what do I do to fight child trafficking help the exploited help the people in the jungles God says start with what's in your hands so word of mouth like tell people about what we're doing join our cause join our fight pray for us my gosh pray for us right now please Um, and even time, we're actually, we just expanded our office in Tulsa. It's right across the street from Rama in the wow. Shaw Home building uh, center. Uh, we got given office space there. So we just expanded. Uh, and so we have a full blown operational office there. So if you can volunteer and be a part and help us that way, that would be um, a huge blessing. And yeah. Yeah, just whatever, whatever you can do, whatever you have in your hands.
0: Yeah, we just want to encourage all of you again, go follow them on social media, Life Impact International. It's going to it's going to open your eyes to a lot of things that's happening around the world, but it's also going to inspire you. And I encourage everybody that's listening, whatever you have in your heart to give do it because it's going to a great cause, a great mission, and not only a great cause, but great people. And it's all about the people, and it's all about reaching the hearts of the people in those nations so that they can continue to expand and grow the gospel as well. So, Lana, I just want to thank you so much for joining me today. It was an awesome conversation. It was great to hear more about your story. Not only that, but what you guys are doing. Really, really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. Thank you so much.
0: No problem. Be safe. We're going to be praying for you and we'll talk soon, all right?
1: Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye.